0: Yo, this is Zero from El and LA Natives Podcast. And I'm happy to announce that Malinali Superfoods now has a storefront location. And we invite all our community to come and partake in our family recipes, in our ancient foods. And in our intention, our intention is to gather our community to share the wisdom of our ancestors, but most of all, have a place to be ourselves. So we invite you to come to 4528 Whittier Boulevard in the heart of East Los Angeles. So come, stop by, enjoy our awas, our superfood smoothies, our nutrient powders, and understand that food is our medicine. Our ancestors were brilliant engineers, and they created strong, powerful foods that we share with the community. Ajo, ometeo, tonansi, tonato.
1: We start out on this new road. No turning back. We have our ancestors with us. We're going to continue to dance with them. Dreaming them. Calling them we are becoming what we were it is part of that maya prophecy is Seven triangles of light.
0: Keep walking. You are the spirit of Unabku. Keep walking. We, the human, we are doing the spirit of
2: Unabku people. who
1: say that the gods made them from corn, they planned their lives according to the heavens. Well-versed in astronomy using a sophisticated
3: mathematics they calculated the movements of the night sky thousands of years into the past and thousands of years into the future they knew that the universe moved in cycles their lives were moved by the rhythms of the natural world planting and harvesting birth and death just
4: as the great tree of life emerges from the earth always there connected and religion. In dreams we learn from the Maya gods when to plant and when to harvest, when to set a fire
1: and when to do the corn ceremony. <speaking in Hebrew> But what we're digging up, what we're coming up with is this part of our history. And the men that lived here are some of the greatest men we've ever had. And it's a fact that we're getting to know more and more and more about the life of these people. They still maintain their customs. They still maintain... The of organizing their societies, and it's very exciting to see how much of the ancient Maya way of life is still alive.
4: Because American history does not begin in 1492 with Columbus. It begins in 200 B.C. with the first Maya
3: king who wrote his name on a stump. What is happening now is the people
4: who made these places, people like Yashpak or Bird Jaguar or Fakal,
3: are getting back their voices.
4: Becoming real to us and speaking to the people of the 20th century about who built this place and why and
1: what they felt and what they thought about the world. These are not anonymous people anymore.
0: You are the spirit of Unapku. Keep walking. We, the human, we are doing the spirit of
5: Unapku. Yo Yo, yo. Las, Aslan. Las Aslan, LA Natives Podcast.
0: LA natives community. Ohio. Wow, Zero, it's
5: been a great
0: week. Yeah, the Friday show was really impressive. the The turnout and what I really loved about that day was that we have brothers like you in the house. You know, we have different communities that are working towards one goal, and that are working on how to try to work together in in whatever capacity we can. And uh, Friday night was just an example of like what, you know, groups of different like-minded individuals, but still autonomous to their own identity and Mm -hmm. still can be in that same environment. Kind of like what we commemorated the night too, right? It was different tribes came together. It wasn't one tribe. It was several different tribes that had history that had maybe grudges because we lived through that too, you know. I and think
5: we made history that night, Zero Four. Wow,
0: what a night, man. For that music, you know. And, and we, I, I kind of just, looking at the details, just found out how hard it is to do something like that. It's Absolutely,
5: not, it's to, to promote to have it events, up, yeah. to, or, to organize events. It's, it's And then control the
0: vibe. To control the vibe of mm. that night was, it's, like, that's what happens is that, you know, you, you go see one artist who's really into it. like let's say, for instance, Public Enemy, but who are their opening acts and what are their... Organizations or community things that they're bringing into this community event, right? Although it is a concert, I like to maybe that's why I get in trouble because I always I like to use the word community.
5: So on paper we had about two hundred and seventy-five people in attendance. That's, shout out to everyone that came yeah, out. Nice. Shout out. Um, shout the out vendors to Zero Velvoo, Olmeca, Nug Life, Product Pistolas, Sub One, Polka One. Shout yeah. out to all the artists that contributed. Um, we will be announcing. The next gathering soon in the next three four months that's that's my goal to get uh, uh, another gathering going absolutely um shout out to everyone that stuck by us again um this event was for you guys yeah. you know and for everyone that attended thank you for all the great positive feedback right zero
0: yeah they, i mean some of the comments were just like i didn't want to go home and it's just the like-minded people let their guard down for a little bit and started realizing the commonalities of everything yeah. You know? And and it was through
5: you know situations like this one with the event with our podcast we ended up meeting you know great people like Dr. Gordon
0: absolutely and and learning about a very interesting project that's happening um, in Los Angeles and so introduce you guys introduce yourselves guys
1: yeah uh, Dr. Gordon or Dr. G for short. And um, I'm the executive director, principal of Los Angeles College Prep Academy. Okay. It's a uh, high school that's focused on the decolonial wellness framework nice. to where us folks of color could just be, be us, be seen, be heard and nice. in our own ways of, of, the, of the land that we come from. Wow. And with an inter, you know, international uh, decolonial lens mm. to where, again, it doesn't matter what tribe you're from similar to the show, mm. what indigenous group you're coming from. Mm. Uh, my, my peoples is from the Philippines, or right. the lands mm. that they, they called the Philippines. And we don't even you know, have that history sometimes of what it was called before the Philippines. Right. And so, um, and, and, and my wife here, who helps me run the school as well, uh, Vanessa Ochoa.
4: What's up, everybody? Um, I go by La Doctora. So mm. I'm um, coming from Boyle Heights, mm. um, born and raised. Um, I'm also a dean over at East L.A. College. So uh, we really try to push education and cool. so uh, Dr. G is my partner and together we um, do this work to really counter white supremacy and ensure that um, all folks have access to information, but information of the soul.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a crazy statement for a charter school and something that's being offered to our community because a lot of people misunderstand those statements as being radical, right? I, and, mean, you know what, And it's, we're using those statements to be informative, right? Not radical. You know, Radicalizing zero. is, is the, uh, the consequence of mm-hmm. learning this information, right? Because you go, man, that's unfair. And I'm so pissed off, I got to do something. But when you get information and when you have a place like theirs um, and you're just kind of redefining those terms to be informational versus radical, then s- true change can come because we feed that to our children. We you you know,
5: I have to say that was really refreshing to hear, you know, because that's what I'm, I'm all about, you know, getting an alternative, mm. creating an alternative. That's mm-hmm. how I see it, because that's yeah. what, you know, what I do for a business, you know, yeah. I, I, I try to, I try to create movements that, that represent the alternative, mm. you mm-hmm. know, and there's always that opportunity there. Right. Dr. Gordon.
1: Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is that, yes, it's quote unquote radical within a white supremacist capitalist structure, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so they make it as if we're the ones who are crazy, right? Because we just trying to be us. We're right. not doing anything outside of just trying to be black and brown people in our own skin. Right. And so because they flipped the script so much over the years that it becomes radicalized and then we're, we're seen as the one who's the one that needs to fall in line. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then within this context of, of free, uh, schools, public schools, there's these California content standards that you have to follow and all the different kind of rules and regulations in regards to that. And if you fall out in the pocket a little too much, then yeah, you might get kicked off the bus in terms of, especially with school leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been waiting 19 years to finally spread my wings a little bit and have a, a free autonomous school outside of the larger charter networks. And um, it's refreshing that I don't have to constantly watch my back. Mm. I can be on the podcast and talk about white supremacy and mm. critical race theory and all the different things that we're going to be teaching the kids for the upcoming school year and um, not have to worry about, again, some overseer from the central office um, telling me I got to stop.
0: Wow. What a powerful. <laughs> that's deep right there. Yeah, that's a powerful thing to have in our community, you know. And and I'm glad that you're on our show trying to, you know, make sure that you have the proper attendance and all that stuff.
5: May I ask where were there schools similar to this back when I was young, you know,
0: um, back when I was, you know, I'm 36
5: now about to turn 37, but you know, when I was 12, 13, 14, was there something similar in LA?
1: Yeah. I, cause I and, think, I think
5: your school is truly one of a kind.
1: And, and let me, let me start with a little bit of my origin story. Um, Bay area, born and raised in the Bay area, San Francisco Bay area. Uh, so, uh, 80s kid, right, born in 75, I'm, I'm 46, so as E40 says, an, an old youngster, right, mm-hmm. um, so now a little bit older, and, and went through a schooling system up north where uh, nothing like this existed, mm-hmm. and there was nothing for young Filipino kids to actually identify with their indigenous roots. The colonialism that we got washed over two times, both from the United States and from Spain, um, completely obliterated all of our consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so we had no access to this. We had no MCs that some of the kids have nowadays with, with Bamboo. And, and shout out to Beat Rock for them doing their thing and mm-hmm. making it known that you know we're here, Filipino folks are here to stay. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we had no voices, formal voices, to kind of teach us those things, nor the elders that... Um, a lot of folks here in the in the Americas have because the islands I've never seen. Mm. I was born and raised here in the United States of America, mm. and looked at the kids that were coming over who were spoke, speaking Tagalog, Visayan, Ilocano, and all the languages of our islands as um, as the enemy, mm. right? When in fact those were my brothers that were more Filipino than I was. Mm. But again, no schools that uh, would teach us about about who we were right. and, and and why colonialism as a framework as a as a blueprint to annihilate our people um, continued to just wreak havoc on us our, our entire lives. Mm-hmm. So nothing nothing like that growing up. Um, no hip hop <coughs> from a from a indigenous Filipino lens to to um, kind of navigate through. But I had some. Uh, some artists that I really looked up to when I was a kid, uh, Eric B. and Rakim being one of them. Absolutely. Um, Public Enemy a little bit later. And then and then hip-hop really became my definition, I guess, of, of indigeneity at that time because I had no attached roots to the Philippines. Mm. And so this was the only thing for, for a kid who was lost in the woods, so to speak, um, to, to find out um, about a culture that, that, that embraced black and brown kids in, in the United States.
5: Absolutely. Man, huh. that's deep, right, Zero?
0: Yeah, I mean... It, and it's
5: crazy how hip-hop is kind of like fully involved in this movement.
0: Well, that's what I was about to say, is how hip-hop is like somewhat of a, a glue that puts things together. And, and, and then, you know, if you're good enough, it gets popularized. Right. And, and then you have a voice. Kind of like Bamboo. I mean, I remember playing with Bamboo most of my career, you know, mm-hmm. and he's always had, you know, good opportunities like signing with like Muggs's label and, and, and doing lots of good things as an artist. And I, I have a special uh, relationship with, with the Filipino community. Cause I used to work in the Bay area doing developmental oh, okay. help, you know, and there was a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. Uh, Filipinos and Mexicans right. that worked in that field, taking care of people with autism and and all sorts. So I kind of related with their story. And almost felt like, well, what, what, a, what a challenge to be yeah. from, like, not in your native land. you know, it's almost like almost like an African slave where mm-hmm. they're, like, displaced mm-hmm. so far where they can't even go, well, let me go back home. But what is home? They never, ever stepped foot on that land or were told stories about that land. So to, for you to be a principal and, and taking over some sort of a charter school that's going to Help with that in any, you know, capacity, whether it be Native American or, I mean, studying history is just studying history. I right. mean, and, and putting, um, the place. I have my own opinion about about um, education, and I, there's reasons why I feel like public education is the way it is, but then comes revolutionaries like yourselves who go, well, we know how to read paperwork, well, we know how to fill out applications. Mm-hmm. And now we can teach whatever we want to teach as long as it follows these guidelines. Right. But being tenacious enough to go through that paperwork, they designed it for a reason that way, because, Absolutely. The, I mean, there's a reason why we don't read books, mm-hmm. right? Cause they're too long. It's like, Oh, it's the minute it's like, Hey, I want to, I want you to read this book. And if it's this thick, you're like, Oh, you know, but if it's really thin, you're like, oh, okay. I could blow through this. You yeah. know, so not.
5: guys, I want to ask both of you guys, you know, um, about critical race theory you know i've actually asked a couple of my buddies like yo have you heard of that term they have no idea no. what that term means right yeah. and you know it's it's been leaking out here and there uh throughout so uh, throughout the mainstream media right mm-hmm. there's battles between different states and stuff so you know talking to uh dr gordon um to our audience uh that doesn't know about cr- cr- critical race theory can you go ahead and break that down
4: I'm gonna go ahead and speak on that. Um, yeah. So first, um, kudos to Kimberly Crenshaw, who was mm. one of the founders of critical race theory. So, uh, and then also to Dr. Daniel Solorzano, my mentor at UCLA, who brought critical race theory to education. Mm. But critical race theory is this theory that started in law. Mm. And it was a ton of um, folks of color that were seeing the injustice in the law. Mm. And so they got together and started talking about the intersectionalities of race, class, Gender, immigration, and started to make its way into law, Mm. but how it made its way into education is through folks like um, Daniel Solorsano, who's over at UCLA. So he's—I call him one of the godfathers of critical race Mm. theory—and I have the the blessing to be able to um, have—he's my Mm. mentor—and so he brought it over to education, where we really look and dissect. All of our intersections. So when I teach, I use critical race theory, but in essence, it's a theory that takes you as a person and looks at your different layers. Mm-hmm. And so, why is it so controversial? Because it goes back to history. Okay. When you know your history, you're okay. powerful. So all these different states are trying to cut it out of the curriculum because it means power for folks like mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. right? And so um, we really, we really um, stress it at the school. I stress it. I'm also an adjunct professor at Mount Saint Mary's. So anytime I get in a moment to talk about critical race theory, we're teaching it. Also at East LA College, I expose all scholars, staff, faculty to critical race theory mm. because we live intersectional identities, mm. right? I'm married to a Filipino; that's an intersection. Mm-hmm. So critical race theory is so important. We need to fight against these folks that are trying to ban truth.
0: Right. I've like I said, you know, I have my own opinion in it, and if if I when I study history, I kind of look at it and in, in a way that's like. They're not going to give you every bit of information. They're going to give you what, what they want you to see. Right. Right. And, and that's the way I felt like when this country went into institutions of learning mm-hmm. that, you know, Rockefellers, Carnegie's, why are they involved in these endowments and, and, and being on the boards that say what the curriculum's going to be, <laughs> how, what's mm-hmm. the direction. And there, it's, it's like anything else, though. You have to protect yourself by understanding your position in this world. And that's a very difficult position. And if in individuals like yourself went through the racist institution to get the knowledge that you have, because you had to endure so much race. I know, because college is very racist. Yeah, if mm-hmm. I can speak yeah. on that, yeah. Absolutely. I'm working mm-hmm.
4: on my book, too. And so I hip-hop saved me. Mm. So I'm actually working on a piece on hip-hop and leadership. Mm. Because what you're saying is... It speaks to me in that as you're going through racist, white supremacist institutions, so I went to UC Berkeley, Stanford, mm-hmm. and, and uh, UCLA for my PhD, but we met in law school. We ex- I experienced a lot of racism, right? I was um, seen and classified as the affirmative action kid, considering the fact that I did really well in school, I was the affirmative action kid. So that put a lot of trauma. So it takes a toll on you, but hip hop saved me because it was hip hop who I was constantly going to to ensure that I had a place where I felt whole. And so I'm working on a piece right now on how hip hop is really instrumental to my, to my leadership mm-hmm. at East LA College as a mujer, mm-hmm. as a person from Boa Heights born and raised mm-hmm. from the neighborhood and ensuring that we fight white supremacy at East LA College. Because even though it's in East LA, there's still a lot of internal racism even within brown people. So I've been countering a lot of that and I use hip hop as my tool, as my savior.
0: That's
5: an, That's an that amazing is. perspective. You know, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of that. I need to cover that on, on underground hip hop. Oh, you blog. know, I'll
4: come back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and what I want to add to that, though, is that we we seem to think that white supremacy is this white man, right? It's not. That's not what it is. It's an ideology. Exactly. It's, it's an yes. ideology. And, this is what,
5: and we always go over this almost in every episode. It's not yeah. all white people, guys. No, 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 no. No, but,
4: it's a, it's an so right. this is what I teach our son white supremacy is an ideology. So I've engaged with black and brown people that are white aspiring white Yeah. So you don't have to be a white person, right? Because I have a lot of white solidarity partners that mm-hmm. help me in the work because they can be in spaces that I can't be in and speak in a certain way and tone that I can't. Mm-hmm. So we need white solidarity partners. But I've also encountered a lot of white supremacy, white aspiring practicing people of color. Mm-hmm. So they exist. It's an ideology.
0: Absolutely. It's a way
4: of thinking.
0: And, and it's rooted in, um, let me find the right word, uh, patriarchy, mm. right? If you cannot recognize that, that white supremacy's main tool is to subjugate women, you know, that's like the main tool that they have, you know, because our women are intelligent beings. They're like the community organ i know what my partner does for my family Mm -hmm. you know coming from the historical trauma and the recent trauma of our family life Mm -hmm. and you could still kind of keep it together and keep the house clean and put aside all the things you need to do see we were talking about this on the on the way to the podcast and i was telling her like autonomy is not is is letting you talk me sharing my information But not telling you what to say, you have to form your own thought and go, yeah, you know what, I agree with this. Or, you know what, that's really in you're really machismo. She always tells me that all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's my challenge. And I have to humble myself to be like, you know, even if you're wrong, I have to still be humble to be like, that's my, this is my partner. Right. (laughs) I have to be gentle, and we still have to live a life together, and we still have to raise children together. That fights white supremacy far more than you trying to point out some white guy who just has... Horrible opinions. That's what I really want to kind of share. Yeah, mm-hmm. because
4: counting white supremacy starts in the home, right? So one thing, because I teach at Mount St. Mary's, a predominantly female institution, I, I we talk with the mujeres about machismo. Sometimes is rooted more in the way women treat their children. Women mm-hmm. need to combat machismo. Sometimes they're the big, the biggest protagonist of machismo. So we have these conversations. So I, you know, I appreciate you. Um, being open to calling yourself out when you engage in machista practices, yeah, right? But mujeres to. can also be machistas. And so we need to interrogate that too. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we do certain kind of readings to make sure they understand their important role <laughs> in raising children,
2: mm-hmm.
4: right? Because all those practices start from, from birth, yeah. right? And it's an ideology again, right. right? Right. So countering machismo is countering white supremacy.
0: Right. And, I, and I would hope that, 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 and I know that the school that you're, you know, putting all your energy in and, and all that would cover things like that at a, at an age that's like necessary. Right. Right. Yep. Like five years old, seven years old, six years. Imagine if we taught our children at seven years old, how to determine human beings as being male and female, not um, the dominant individual who has all the answers and you listen to me because I feed you and I clothe you and I pay for your stuff. And like, I, I refused. I, there was a point where I, I just, I wanted my wife to understand that I wasn't going to go back to that role with her as we grew. Right? And I said, I'm not going to be that for you. And you know, when we were discussing that, she misunderstood it as like, I didn't care about her. But that's not it at all. I knew that she was strong enough, wise enough, Mm -hmm. and intelligent enough to even help me when I'm weak financially. And that's what we learned, and that's how we dismantled white supremacy in our right. environment. And we still have a long way to go. Believe me, I'm a male. So there's, I just we have a lot of things to deal with. But I like to think that, you know, I'm a warrior that's finding my own self and my own, my own mirror. So if I look in my mirror every morning and I say, hey, you know what? I did a little bit more not to be like them. Mm. Then I took one more step. Right. And I've taught my children to follow it, mm-hmm. so that's the main thing. I'm really happy that um, my partner is here. <laughs> Everybody, it's a good show. I like, you know, you know what I like about this show is that it has a balance. You know, Armando and his partner are involved with LA natives, and you know, obviously Jenny's been in my first shows. And now you're here with, you know, the the education part of things, and we're so happy to meet you and. And hopefully we can inspire people to go to your school, at least find some more information. Mm -hmm. If you want to raise different children with different perspectives that are not um, manipulated by rich elites, you know, who have an agenda because you can't read at their level. Mm. See, a lot of people don't understand that when things got popular in the U.S., there was a 93% reading level for the white community mm-hmm. <laughs> as we were being displaced and, you know, orphaned and yeah, who's going to teach us how to read. Right. And then everything goes on and on. And now we're in the 2022, 2021, putting out legislation with words that you have no idea what they mean. Yeah, We need brothers like, mm-hmm. you know, and sisters like yourselves mm-hmm. that know, Hey, they just passed a law that's being very, very whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um So, Show the mic.
5: Administration. I was always in fear of the principal and the administration for some weird reason. I have to ask you, bro. And it's you've designed been... that
4: way. Yeah, it's yeah, designed yeah.
0: that way.
5: Yeah. Wow,
1: talk yeah. about
0: that. I
5: don't
1: oh. know about
0: that.
3: Like, you guys are the principals yeah. of the school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah that's, that's part of the design. <laughs> the, the part of the design is that a school rooted in white supremacy is. A jail. Here we go. So and so and so the person who controls the jail, the principal or the warden, right, Mm -hmm. is someone to be feared because um, if you fall out of line, then that's the person that's going to come down on you.
5: Was it because it was only when I got in trouble I would see them,
1: and that's and that's the history of what administrators in old school. White supremacist principles do is they only come in when the kid's in trouble, right? Wow. And, and and so you only begin to interact with families when there's trouble.
5: And like for a kid like myself that constantly got in trouble, the fear that I would put my my parents through it was traumatizing. <laughs> when it could have been more productive, it they they, they could have went it had a conversation yeah, with you. Went at it with a different way instead of just, you know, uh, kicking me out of the whole district. Yeah,
1: and, and, and then and let's, let's talk mis- about,
3: like, what were the reasons you were getting in trouble, too? That's another thing, too, because that, that system is very much like if you're not walking like this, then you're completely out of the line for I, them. I, and then I that's was where Oh we were always in trouble for what? For speaking our mind, right. for dressing without their dress code, for... What was the,
2: you
5: know what I mean? Like we were already trained for that system. My personal reasons is I was just like, my parents got divorced, single mom. I had my twin brother. We were always trying to get into mischief. She had two, three jobs and we had nothing else to do but to just like do stupid things, trickle down to the schools. And then, you know, selling things I wasn't supposed to in the school and just hanging out with the wrong crowd. But when I would get in trouble, they just took it above and beyond, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where they were treating me like a damn criminal mm-hmm. when all I was doing is just, you know, I guess living life and growing up as a kid with a, you know, fucked up background.
3: Exactly. But also, also lashing out because there wasn't no support in your home. Right. So now was switching the told- mentality of the principals that understand that. Now you guys, you know, I just barely met you, mujer, and you seem like a very beautiful spirit. Thank you. you two, We just met at the, you know, a couple of weeks ago and right. stuff. But I think that that really matters because if you have a, a principal that, that grew up in the same neighborhood as you grew up. I was born and raised in Boyle Heights and I think that it would have another understanding such as myself yeah. as a mother. I, I'm around children all the time and you know, my son just shared with me, hey mom, I have a, a friend of mine, he lashes out a lot and la 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 la. Right. And I asked him, how do you know if his mother's even around? Yeah. He lashes out and he says, hey, don't talk about my mom but how do you guys even know if he has a mother? Yeah. You know, so right. really understanding coming from a perspective with two people of color that understand that mentality that says, hey, this child is lashing out because what's happening at home mm-hmm. instead of treating the child
1: like a criminal. They're crying out for love at the exactly. end. Exactly. The right. They would always I mean, tell me. At yeah. the end of it, what are you really crying out for? They would always tell it? me
5: your parents are fully responsible for what you do at the school. So they would like put fear in me like, okay, I have to, you know, walk in the eggshells if I continue to decide to act like a, you know, stupid kid at school. You know. Which is my point. And then know. I went to a continuation. They had to kick me out. And then I went to a, a school that was called a continuation school. I right. didn't really understand it at first. Mm-hmm. But then my goal was to get out of that continuation school and go back to my regular high school, which I did, and I graduated.
1: And that's where oh, I did a cool. actually a lot a lot of my work, the bulk of my work, has been with those continuation schools, right? So I worked with job corps. Mm. Um, and, and, and in job corps, a lot of the, the kids that didn't fit into those boxes that that they wanted folks to fit into didn't fit in. And so I spent 15 years working with the kids that were the throwaways of society, right? Mm -hmm. Well, all you have to do is sit down, have a conversation with them, understand where they're coming from, their pain, their trauma from the different neighborhood situations that they come from, Mm -hmm. and then give them some books that really make sense. Give them some some hip hop that really makes sense too. Mm -hmm. Have them listen to some immortal technique.
4: But can I, I Can I interject, too, in, in theory, right? So I'm going to throw this out, because here's another theory that everybody, I hope, will look up and really think about. What you were doing is you were teaching these students critical um, community cultural wealth. So mm-hmm. what is community cultural wealth? In short, it's this idea that you come with assets, power, and strength to whatever space. So testimonio, your testimonio, and, and the exchange of stories mm-hmm. allows you to acknowledge the community cultural wealth of students. So when someone feels validated, they're gonna yes. show up, right? Yeah, yes. So I want everybody that's listening to look up community cultural wealth by Tara Yoso, who's an education professor at UC Riverside. These are the theories that I tell students, put them in your pockets. So that if anybody tries to call you out, be like, no, I'm executing my community cultural wealth. What are you gonna do about that? right?" And to speak with that intentionality and with that power. And that's the kind of work that we're doing over at East L.A. College. Really talking about how schools are violent, right, really calling it for what it is because I was born and raised in Ball Heights, right, and being able to connect and understanding that history and testimonio allows us to connect. Uh And because we are Uh in formalized school spaces, teaching folks about the theory so they can use it to their advantage. When they walk into a room, they know how to speak and move. Uh It's that code switching that I tell students, you got to code switch, and that's how I survived Schooling, yeah. You code switch. Right? I guess
0: um, also one question, that was you know, beautiful. because the, the, I would love to, and like a lot of people ask me because I'm a, a recording artist, I have a certain perspective. They always go, "What book did you read?" Right? It's like I didn't. I read a few books, not a lot of books, but a few. And um, I learn more on the oral side, but I make my own conclusions. So then, everything I read or everything I see is more opinionated. And how am I going to digest it and do that? That's the way I learned. Mm -hmm. But my point was that's because I had a hurdle about reading because I'm dyslexic. And it's just too difficult, too hard to focus. Since you guys have doctorates, how did you get inspired? Because you had to read a lot
1: They're, a lot I still read and <laughs> i hated it as a kid <laughs> believe reading believe, is like jumping off not. a plane when yeah. you tell somebody
0: hey yeah. you got to read this book." it's like oh no it's like oh am i gonna understand it they start doubting and
3: especially if you don't understand the language yes. i think you know i want to just share a little bit about my personal life i was you know tossed around through high school through high school um and then until i ended up in a continuation monterey continuation right behind garfield high school you know okay that's when I actually felt heard as a student. Mm-hmm. I didn't fit in the typical school system where it's like learn history, learn this, learn that. But when I went into the, the the continuation, I found a teacher, a few teachers that were like, Jenny, you're really good at writing. You know what, you're gonna take this history class, why don't you write about something that you like to write about? And right. here I am, little Jenny, 14, 15 years old, and I opened up a book about abortions mm. and you know, For those that don't know me, I'm a traditional partera. So here I am, 14 years old, bam, with the teacher that gave me the opportunity to share what I wanted to learn about. Mm -hmm. And that's what really got me through my whole high school schooling. It's like after that it's like oh then I did another, you know, report on on pregnancy and then on women's health and then this without giving me the script of like wait, I'm not going to accept these. This is not what the protocols are. You didn't write about the, the this and that, you know. Standards. So that's really important. I really felt that and you know and yeah, so I'm a continuation student and and, and that's why I tell my kids now. It's like, hey, if you guys don't like the high school system, go for it. Do your own thing, but at least empower yourself to continue that. Yo, yo, you know shout so? out
5: to Columbus yeah. High. They would tell me, yo, you're not allowed to bring a backpack or a pencil. Mm. Right? And then I would ask the cop why, right? And a police officer, he would say, oh, well, because you get stabbed or you can stab someone. I'm like, why are you telling me this? And I'm 15 <laughs> years old at a continuation school. Right and it's the goddamn police officer
3: themselves that are saying Can you imagine
5: that. how i felt walking around to that school
3: Yeah. Devalu- like, oh my God, like,
1: it's back it's back to schools again being, being set of S- something of that, that prison system that's, system that's set up yeah didn't allow students to bring
5: five, right? their own uh pencils and pens i don't know
0: a lot of it's psychological a lot of it you know is um i remember going to high school and you know the security guards and the Police officers, they have grudges against people who are, you know, not following the rules, and it is kind of like a jail kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way to combat that is to inform yourself and know your rights. Like if children knew how to read properly, or, or, or um, you know, I didn't start reading until I was nineteen years old. Till my friend told me, well, "Why don't you read?" And I was like, "Man, I don't know how to read. I don't like reading." He's all, "Dummy, read what you like. He's all, don't read, <laughs> don't read what you don't like. Go." Don't go read the newspaper. Go read about this, that, and the other. And I, I chose the subjects that I like to read, and they were difficult. And, and, but I was inspired to read what I like. I guess I, my question was, you know, and as Jenny experienced, her, her difficulties going through school, I know that we have a humongous percentage of dropouts. But I personally, if I analyze history, it's because we don't know how to read their language, their language. Right. and mm-hmm. their and, yeah. and 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 apply their language towards your defense yeah and, i think those yeah. are the most popular slaves and historical like malcolm x like no mm-hmm. one sat him down and went okay son i'm gonna you know you get a full ride to harvard no he just read 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 didn't find it read 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 he just became hyper intelligent mm-hmm. on his own and that's what i really would love to plant a seed because you guys are doctors and not only did you have to go through the white supremacist system, but you had to read a lot. Mm-hmm. And what were the tools that you used so we can kind of push that to our community? Um, because reading is, is really? not the it, only tool. We're talking tool, about like the basics, But it is a tool. What are the books? techniques we're going to use so that we can inform ourselves to read something boring? You know, where it's not such a challenge. You know, where you're like, hey, did you read that new law? Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't read that law. <laughs> But I wrote the post. But I don't agree with it. You
1: know? <laughs> and and I think it, it we're on this this hip hop, you know, podcast and, and it, it goes back to hip hop a lot a lot of times with the youth, especially high school kids, right? Nice. You gotta package the information in a way that they're gonna pay attention and read and read it. Mm. And if it happens to be in a three minute song with with sixteen bar verses and some hooks mm. and, and they're gonna pay attention to that. And that's the hook. That's nice. the hook to, to really get folks to begin to learn. Yeah. That was the hook for me. Again, I didn't read my first book like you until I was 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. In, in high school, I read nothing. Not the traditional books, but again, I was listening to Eric B and Rockham. Mm-hmm. I was listening to, to Chuck D and, and Public Enemy. I was listening to X-Clan a little bit later down the line, mm-hmm. um, Tribe Called Quest, and all of this Afrocentricity that wasn't Filipino-centered, right? But it was indigenous center to to stolen Africans here in the, in, in the United States. Mm. And so that spoke to me with me not even knowing it because I was lost trying to mm. find out who I was as a Filipino youth with with no roots here. Mm. Um, but my roots were place else. But again, because I was brainwashed through colonialism to hate my brother who spoke Tagalog, who spoke Ilocano, who spoke Visayan and all these different languages. Whether they spoke that way, then that was that was my enemy because they're beef with my cousins who were in gangs and, and, and clashed over over language and over English. and over immigrant status and you you eat differently than me and you don't speak English as good as me, and my parents didn't teach me any of those languages because they wanted me to be American and and white and all those things and and that just plays a whole number on your head wow. as a kid, right? So the the project that we're working on right now, this decolonial wellness framework in a lot of ways, it's, it's my continuation of unpacking all my trauma as a kid, and I don't want any, anybody of color to have to go through that. Mm. And so if you're rooted in whatever indigenous community you're from, then the higher likelihood that you're not gonna go crazy. Mm. We have some of the highest suicide rates in the, uh, in the Pacific Islander community with Filipinos. Mm. And a lot of that is due to the colonial mind state because our parents were so brainwashed to think that we were savages that the Catholicism that was forced on our, on our people from Spain was good for us. Yeah. When I first learned about that when I was 18 and 19 years old and read it in a book called uh, People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn and how our Filipino people were just completely obliterated by, by Spain and the United States, and I told my mom this and I was very excited, and she said, well, son, we needed that. We needed to be Christianized. We needed to be civilized because we didn't know how to act. And we didn't know how to self-govern. And we didn't know how to be our, to be good people. So that was that was good for us, son.
0: That's white supremacy.
2: Yes. And yes. It, and no
1: no shade on my on my mother at all. Rest rest in peace. She died at fifty-seven right. to cancer, a lot of that due to the colonial white supremacy. to the colonial mindset as well. She got mentally and physically sick because she was trying to assimilate so hard into white supremacy.
4: Because she was teased as a young kid when they first came from the Philippines to Fremont. They were one of the first Filipino families. Wow.
1: Yeah, and so she went through it as a teenager, 16, 17 years old, trying to fit into white society at the time in the, in the mid-1960s and, and couldn't do it because she's, you know, she's not white. Yeah. But trying her best to do it and and going through that trauma and then not wanting to pass that on to her kids. Yeah. Not wanting us to have an accent, not wanting us to speak any the languages so that we could have an easier life than she did. Right. I think
3: that goes with all cultures, right? That, that goes with, again, the missions and everything that's happening with the missing children and everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's like really making you feel like, what? You're, you have long hair. Oh, my God, you look so dirty. That's horrible that your mom let you grow your long hair. It's like, it's brainwashing. It's well, white supremacy. It's
0: exactly, it's exactly what Jenny said. You know, those Native children that were taken to those residential schools, the parents felt like they were doing a good thing. Yeah. Like I'm um, helping him, you know, Assimilate. to a point where it's like, yeah, you don't know the truth. And I think that's where we got to in the early um, 90s when we became self-identified and, and found a way. And it was through hip hop because hip hop was when you heard hip hop on a level that was conscious, you, 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 you actually went, wow, that, that guy's intellectual. He used a certain word that. Yeah. And so then you want to be, as a, as a hip-hop artist, you're like, well, how did he use those words? What did he read or what did he see? And then you mm-hmm. start getting inspired to do that. That's, that's really what I want the, the community to get out of any educational system is just know that it's information. Mm-hmm. I, I told my son before he went to college, I said, don't go. You think you're going to go over there and learn something? You're not going to learn anything, son. Mm-hmm. But you're going to experience. Mm-hmm. And you're going to fail. And we're going to be here for you. And then out of all of it together, you're gonna learn something. Mm-hmm. That's what you learn. It's called life. Right? Mm-hmm. But don't think that books or professors and I'm not trying to discourage no, your, right. your, your inspiration. But it's true.
1: You, it's, it's true. Absolutely I true. Agree. There's yeah. there's there's a there's a set of curriculum for yourself to remain sane mm. as you mm-hmm. go through the white supremacist academy. Mm-hmm. Thank and, you. And, and talk so on that. And so we came out probably twice as good as the white student because we, we had to read mm. twice. things that would keep us from going crazy. Wow. And, and, and if we didn't, then we probably would have dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. Well, we actually dropped out of law school. <laughs> that's, that's, where, that's where we met. And, and a lot of, a lot of the, the trauma that we both experienced in law school was due to we had to really learn this white supremacist structure and practice mm. in the ways that they practice if we wanted to get that bar card in California. For me, I was I was checked out mentally after semester one, and went back to hang out with the fellas and make some music. <laughs> That's what I did. You stayed for a little bit longer, a year and a half, and then finally came to the realization that.
4: Not for me. I'm
1: I'm done with trying to practice this stuff. This is this is way too much on my mind, body, and soul as a as a as a, as a woman of color. So peace. I'm out of here. Yeah.
0: What a challenge. But that was hard. And that was law, right? Yeah. That was and the that subject was, of law. Yeah.
4: But I still encourage folks that. With, with that said, I still want to encourage folks to study laws, right? Because you have to understand the white man's law, right, mm-hmm. to be able to combat it. Mm-hmm. But it comes at a cost, and I always tell people this: like the work that we do is life, and it comes at a cost, but I'm okay with that cost. Mm-hmm. Because I know that this work eventually will, will kill me, but it's work that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Because we are here for the next generation, for, mm-hmm. for my son, your son, everyone's children. Absolutely. And so this work is, it's every day. Yes. And that's what I tell the president at East LA College. I said, this is, this is grinding, this is life and death. This is Boyle Heights, mm-hmm. this is serious. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't I don't play. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This ain't no joke. So that's how I come to my spaces, right? Right. And so people really appreciate that, and young people appreciate that because they don't get to experience it often, right? right? But again, I'm okay with that cost Mm. because it does come at a cost.
0: Yeah. Uh, To go through a racist institution and come out with a a certificate of degree comes with a lot of um, um, compromise. It
4: does. A lot of of compromise, (laughs) (laughs) which is why also... I want to speak to this what you just said uh, it hit me it comes with a lot of compromise in our leadership in our styles which is why we created our own our own clothing company Mm -hmm. because we needed some sanity Mm -hmm. to be able to speak freely because Mm -hmm. even though we're within structures and we try to be free there's still a lot of compromising you have to do so we did our own thing on the side to be able to just speak mm. without anybody telling us, well, you can't say that. And you can't right. say that in this meeting
0: or without it reflecting on you and, and destroying your work that you, yeah. that you work right. so, so I, hard. To- I
4: do want to encourage folks that work because people ask me, so how do you, why do you stay within the system? And, and that's a choice that I made. I work in, in the system of schools and I try my very best to combat those things, right. That, mm. um, are harmful to our community. But I also encourage people to also have your side hustles because mm. you do need something mm. outside of. If you're going to be in the structure, you do need some things for your therapy, to, to have you be sane, mm. so that you can be wow. there for your family because the you system, is heavy. You system is heavy. listening community? listening
3: for the next seven generations? You guys are up in the battlefield right now. You guys are up on that front line really pay attention to your mental health your mental health is awareness we can't have you guys going out there and again studying 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 and not taking care of your mental health your nutrition is a big one too you know a lot of colleges a lot of colleges feed on like just junk food yeah. you know yeah. we have two we have a kid that's in college yeah. and it's a freshman like, 20 you, know, you know hot dogs and pizza yeah. and all of that remember your body is sacred your body is 80 percent water when we are studying i tell my clients this all the time when you're studying in the computer it's very similar to running so sometimes people mm. get headaches when they've done so much mm-hmm. computer work and it's, oh my God, I'm so tired. Why am I tired? I just sat here and just did computer work. That's similar to going for a run. So really be mindful of the way your body feels after you pick up that book. How many hours are you going to dedicate to studying and how are you going to take care of yourself after reading that, you know, whatever you just finished. And I appreciate
4: you saying that because you actually asked the question of, you know, what books inspired us, but actually f- food justice is so important to being able to survive in a white supremacist world, right? Because it's, it's really damaging. So uh, we take our food very seriously. We impart that on our son because we tell him, you know, there's and I tell this to students, there's some weapons of mass destruction, mm. sugar, salt. Mm. Those were brought over by the yeah. colonizer. Mm-hmm. So we talk to our young son about the impact of sugar and salt. I'm always talking about it in Bull Heights, the community because we have the highest rates of obesity yes. and diabetes. And so that is connected to how you survive in the school structure so and, i appreciate yeah. you bringing mm-hmm. that up
1: and a part of our decolonial wellness framework at school we have this beautiful piece of land it's two and a half maybe three four acres and we are literally thinking through how to cultivate um, our own fruits mm-hmm. our own vegetables mm-hmm. so that we have a garden for families and students to learn how to grow their own food
3: uh, and let's uh, have a beautiful
1: campus This is space. all uh, beautiful. in the heart of Los Angeles, right? right? in the middle of Los <laughs> Angeles. It's unheard of for a public free charter school to have this amount of land. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, a, it's been a blessing to all of us to, to be able to partake in reimagining what this land can be for uh, not just our immediate students and, and families, but for the larger mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. right? And it's become a place in the last year of, of healing, and again, not just for our families and our students, but for, um, for the general community that need a space to, um, to, to hash out differences, to, 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 to have peace talks. And, and um, other folks of, of, of color from different walks of life have been utilizing it for different um, healing spaces as well. Palms Up Academy, they're our, our poetry partner, and that's run by uh, Ariana Bosco. She's part of the Bosco family. They're of Filipinos who do uh, acting, singing, and poetry in, in Hollywood, and they do a, a, a weekly uh, open mic session that's therapeutic wow. for our community.
3: Right? And again, uh, empowering people to follow their passion, because not everybody's all about the 9 to 5, you know. Mm-hmm. Living in artist's way is a free life and that's something that the old community doesn't understand, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe your mother's not going to understand like cómo que vas a ser músico? Like how are you right. going <laughs> to get paid for that? <laughs> like that's not a job. You got to go be a doctor and this and that. No, sorry. There, you know, you can definitely get paid to be a musician, you know. There's a big community for that especially if you're sharing a positive message, you know. And so
1: part of my my own trauma, right? becoming a school leader was OK to do in my family. Mm. Um, not even a teacher was OK, because that's not enough status in the colonized mind of an of, of a old school Filipino person. right? And so they want, they want you to be in these positions of, quote, unquote, power to where you can show people that you've made it. In, mm-hmm. in, in, in a white supremacist world. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them don't even know that I dropped out of law school because, uh, again, of the trauma that that um, I have and they have in regards to power structures in, in, in white supremacy mm-hmm. um, systems. Right.
0: I could imagine. Like, my, my grandparents came here in the 30s to Los Angeles, and <clears throat> they had to grow up in the 50s and 60s and the racism that... that involved but they were very the same way like they wanted me when when i was a i can remember being as young as five years old what are you gonna be a doctor a lawyer like these they run it all off like you know like if it's those are the important jobs and anything less than that is going to be you know yeah nothing like you know what if i just want to be like somebody that just travels the world by himself and meditates and Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be rich he could just do there's lots you. of people that survive like that. Yeah, There's, you know? many, there's many forms of, of getting life fulfillment. And I, I think the, the educational structures just kind of put us in a position to work.
4: Yes. We always talk to our son about how, you know, college trains you to be middle management, mm. right? And there's, mm. there's, there's schools that operate, that were created that way intentionally. Mm-hmm. I won't name them, but yeah. they really... I will. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll name them. Um, they talk really about that in a minute. <laughs> train you to do the nine to five, to be middle management, to think in the box and not to be creative. And that's where, unfortunately, a lot of our black and brown kids are going to these schools mm-hmm. um, because it fits the immigrant mentality of success. And mm-hmm. right. a
1: lot of these schools are in Los Angeles. I used to work for one last year, and I'll call it out. Alliance College Ready Public Schools, funded by billionaires, by white Republican racist billionaires, mm-hmm feel some type of way because they're donating money Mm -hmm. to black and brown kids in the hood Mm -hmm. now they cool right they have they they made this anti-racist statement about how alliance is all about making an anti-racist uh structure in terms of having that curriculum come out into the schools but i was championing that last all last school year well two years school years now as a director of family and community engagement I really started to uh, have parents start asking critical questions about the the curriculum, about why there weren't black and brown faces, a lot of them, in in the in the books that they were reading in the classrooms, and um, like I told you, I got I got the boot. I got I got kicked off that bus. Well, I mean,
0: I like I said, have a certain perspective about how things were done, and they've always treated us as like somewhat of a the poorest of the poor, mm-hmm. we're like cattle, they can kind of you know, shoot us this way or shoot us that way. And they never really gave us a chance to be intellectual or smart. How could we though, if we didn't know how to read and if everything's based on that, right? New laws, new legislations. Like it's kind of like recently right. my artist friend sends me this thing from Fox News and they start putting an expose on climate change lockdowns, right? climate change lockdowns. People are going to go along with that. Why? Because they don't want to read the legislation or the law that was passed or what justifies this climate shutdown. Mm-hmm. They don't even want to read the fact that East Germany used to implement certain type of structures that they're calling climate shutdowns, right? Like in East Germany, like what... what. Joe Biden was was saying, was, you know, we have to restrict your, you know, your driving from here to there if it's unnecessary. How are you allowed to do that? You know, if, and that's, but if you don't read, if you can't go, hey, you know what, let me read this book about the 1950s, I mean, 1940s, you know, Hitler and how they did, whoa, whoa, what the heck? That kind of sounds familiar. Like, let me read this legislation. Oh, wow. They kind of pair up. Right. But we don't know how to read we just go along with it we just go yeah it's oh wow what did it say you know and you rely on somebody who's has a doctorate or uh, 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 a
4: quote-unquote specialist but
2: Mm -hmm.
0: anybody educated like it's just like really like we have this divide in our even in our own community where if you have a degree and you don't have a degree that means you're not smart even though you are smart like we're the Mm hip-hop intellectuals we're the ones that went Oh, yeah, you know, read Norm Chomsky. Okay, yes. well, let's try. And then you read yeah. it and you get through it, and it takes you longer than the guy that had to read it because of the assignment, mm-hmm. right? But that guy just had to read for that assignment. It's not like he got into the philosophy of Norm Chomsky and read right. all his literature and right. developed That's what hip-hop did.
1: Mm-hmm. Hip-hop did
0: that, for me, is they went, oh, it, it wasn't a particular individual, but it was a whole culture. right. Right? Right. there are things that and then I started getting to the point where I didn't even need to read the books anymore Mm -hmm. it started speaking to me through my own spirit my own blood my own understanding and that's when I started switching my mentality about education to more about information as an opinion from someone like your guys have an opinion about education I like that opinion I would send my children to your school because I like that opinion about how they're educating and how you're taking reading, not to go get a job, but read so that people don't take advantage of you. To
4: liberate yes. yourself. Read yes.
0: because yeah. people can feed you poison. That's right. Read because people are just going, ah, those stupid guys, well, let's invest in the school, mm-hmm. and look at how many you know, shop clerks and registered guys we have for our yes. businesses like Walmart mm-hmm. and um, Ross and Burlington. Right. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. They're reading and taking advantage of your children who are disinterested in reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. right i I would encourage my children to to be one of the skills in life that they had was to be able to read that's
5: right absolutely we got zero of vu we got dr Gordon of the l a college prep academy. One thing that I like about the school is the name itself is straight to straight to the point um what what what's the percentage rate of of kids graduating and actually going to
0: going to college. Being prepared to go
1: to college. Yeah, that's the key. 98% of our, of our seniors uh, graduate and are accepted into four-year universities. And 98%. 98%. 98% but can
4: I give a caveat to that? Because this is important to the story of the prep. So yeah. OK, you can get 98% of folks into college. Right. But are they actually going to get there and graduate? And so one of the things that I push my partner to do a lot in school, in the school, is to talk and ensure that these students have the skill sets to be able to make it through college,
2: mm. right? So you
4: teach students, high school students, about imposter syndrome. So for folks who don't know what imposter syndrome, again, another theory to She's put it in your pocket. it down, everybody. Is, <laughs> imposter syndrome is idea that. I'm not good enough to be at UC Berkeley, the Mm top-notch institution, Mm -hmm. because I'm brown and I'm from Boyle Heights. Mm -hmm. And so then you begin to question yourself and you're like, you know what, I don't belong here. You start to fail your classes and you become then what we call a reverse transfer. You go back to a community college. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot to a lot of black and brown kids that go to these elite institutions, right, that we call, um, because they don't know how, they don't have that knowledge base, but Mm -hmm. the prep, is teaching these students. It's not just about 98% college acceptance. It's about making sure that I get there and that I survive and I thrive at UCLA or wherever. Mm-hmm. And, and that I can them, call yeah, it out yeah. when I experience it. Mm. That's what that means.
0: That's, that's power. Wow, that and is giving
1: them And uh, giving them books, right, such as Gloria Ansadula's Borderlands is what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. right now and having to navigate this world of white supremacy, but keeping yourself intact as well. Code switching. Mm. And so unpacking books like that in high school so that when you get to college, as you say, Mm -hmm. they're not gonna drop out, they're gonna stay, and not assimilate either at the same time. They're able to hold on to themselves.
4: Hold on to their community, cultural wealth.
1: Uh,
3: that's very important. We have, again, we have a 21-year-old and we have an 18-year-old. The 21-year-old is full-on college and his girlfriend's in Berkeley, mm-hmm. you know, top elite middle yeah. school. She's gone through some stress and stuff. but. Right. You know, it's really important for, for them to understand who they're representing. You know, and I tell her that all the time. She's like, oh my God, I have to only step two hours. And I say, mija, it's gonna be worth it for the families that you're gonna help out with after. Mm-hmm. Remember, stay focused, don't, don't focus on the fire. The fire's always gonna be hot. Stay focused deeper on the prayer mm-hmm. with that fire that That's that fire right. comes with. And
4: you know? tell her advice, find mentors if she has. And mentors, as Solorzano always taught us, come through books too, right? So Malcolm X was one of my big mentors, but find mentors in those spaces. That, that she's in in Berkeley to yeah. ensure that she has people she can go to to have platica yes. to hold space for her yeah. and right. then
3: we have our 18 year old that's in that borderline i'm right now that you mentioned it you know he just uh, enrolled himself in elac because they have a really really good college i mean a basketball coach there right yes now. I,
4: I oversee athletics so coach Mosley netflix yes <laughs> yes so he's <laughs> all about
3: elac right now so he just enrolled but i can see it in him he has that fear of like I don't know if I can do college. I'm like, Mijo, you've been a straight A student all our li- like all your life, dude. Yeah. You you got this. Like you belong there. Wherever you are at, it's because you're supposed to be there, and it's supposed to be tough because again, mm-hmm. it's gonna prepare you for what you have.
4: And just to- a plug to you, like not because I while well, I work there, but we do a lot of work to ensure that our students have folks that they can connect with mm-hmm. and someone they can call. So we have some really powerful work that we've done over the last five years. Um, My VP retires this week, and I have so much respect for her because she really pushed us to ensure that we created student services that really help our students feel like they belong, ensure that they succeed, and that they can call ELAC home.
3: Mm. Beautiful.
4: So for any folks in the east side, or if you're not in the east side, um, I'm at East LA College. Just look up La Doctora, and you'll find me. Nice. Beautiful.
5: Wow. Wow.
3: That's so beautiful. I, I, just, I went to ELAC. I'm like, I went to ELAC myself <laughs> for like a year, you know, while I was in <laughs> high school.
4: <laughs>
3: I'm like, while well, I was in that continuation trying to fulfill it, everything. It, but.
0: It, it, ELAC um, recreational um, hallway, that one that used to be in the front, that started my career. That's why. Yeah, where that's my literally first other all,
3: all the Metro for me started all the. I went, to ELAC, I went to
0: ELAC, but not as a student, <laughs> just as a performer. <laughs> I guess that. But
3: you shared your message again yes. as, a, as a professor, as a professor. In, the, in the sense of music. That's, that's what right. we're talking about. It's like you may not have a doctor's degree, but you definitely have a message behind your music. And that, again, People have been listening to your music since they were 14, 15 years old, and they said that changed their life forever. It's no different than that one professor That's right. that gave that one student that extra little visit. Hey, you're doing good, mijo. You're mm-hmm. doing good. You are a professor, but through hip-hop music. And
1: we're redefining, actually, what a professor means on our campus. We're calling it, the community professor series. Yeah. Yeah. So Azumali is one of the first artists that's going to be coming and talking oh, about oh, his beautiful. music oh, and yeah. really talking and dissecting and going through the, the thought process wow. of his songwriting. Wow. We would love to have you come by and do oh, something similar. Absolutely. And, and absolutely. other artists, as we call them, are, are professors of the community. Oh, wow. Because that, that white supremacist degree from a institution that weren't built for us anyways that we were lucky to to get degrees from because we we went through the mud of that um doesn't mean that our cultural experts in the community are less than right Mm. and so we're we're elevating that intentionally at our our school Ah. to make sure that our kids know that that's cool you know uh, i'm a
5: prime example of that you know i
3: there it yeah, is. We I, got I marketing professor right here. <laughs> I technically
5: walked, but never got my diploma. I guess I was like 10, 50 credits shy. And there was always, you know, girlfriend distractions, drug abuse distractions, hip-hop culture distractions. But, you know, when when a when kid asks me, hey, do you have to go to college? I tell him, no, you don't have to. Because I just uh, was dedicated to a certain craft, w- w- which was being a, a hardcore hip hop enthusiast mm. and then one thing led to another and then we bought a domain and then now we run a dope hip hop website yes. that we could you know uh, that's actually sustainable mm-hmm. for us you know mm-hmm. you know i guess and
3: that's beautiful that's what we want we want to empower the, that you <laughs> know? to any
5: kid out there not go to college i want you to go to college because if i had mm-hmm. the opportunity to do it I, I would go back and do it well you know?
0: there's there's certain degrees and 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 things that you need to you need to prepare like my partner Jenny, she, she's, she's going to go back to school and do her I'm like in that prime. I'm like in that prime. I told her, I go, look, that, Jenny, I go, you know? I'm, I love you. I care about you. You're super smart, but you don't read every day. Yeah. Don't read every day. You have so those, to read every day. Those midwifery books are you can hard. Go to school. Those words
3: are hard. Like, is like, read every day? But <laughs> like, what does you know, that word she, mean? He's like, oh, it just means dilation. Oh, okay, I got it. Like, <laughs> no, but you those know what? words are like, oh, And she does. I just got medical make, school
0: for I gotta, me. And know? she does read every yeah. day because she reads these really long posts and gets into articles and things that are important to her. And right. that's, she's already practicing those skills. But what I'm trying to say is that education is just information, that's all it is. Yeah a lot of people base their life on, I went to Berkeley, yeah. and that automatically in their head goes, oh, he must have a good job, he must have a this, this because he went to this particular institution of learning, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. If you do have a job from those institutions, I know you made a lot of compromises and maybe are doing things that you don't want to do because yeah. people yeah. who have true. money can make people do stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I were to, um, I, I'm in agreement with Armando in the sense of like, If I had the skills to be able to read and had another life choice, I would have went to college and and experienced it how I needed to. But I didn't. That wasn't my experience. Mm -hmm. I don't want to discourage young individuals from not learning the tools that it takes to educate yourself, inform yourself about the things you're going to need as you move through this life. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to get you a job. It's not going to... You not know, what gets get you a you job? Dream job. Compromising no, 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 no. gets you a job. Doing things that that other rich people who have money are asking you to do, and you're gonna go, oh, uh, okay," you know. And that's that's really what gets you money and a job. But not think the information helps you make the decision.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, college is vital for someone like myself. Like I run a, you know, a, a big or- organization, and you know, w- when I do try to bring interns in or try to recruit writers, I kind of do you Know, tell myself, you know, they have to have a BA or <laughs> <laughs> we could exchange college credits here. It's crazy is, how it you switches up. <laughs> so it, it does help for because for somebody it, that didn't go to college, me, yeah. it shows me that these kids are actually trying to do something with their lives, you know. And, and not to shame anyone that doesn't go to college when they're 18, 19, 20, but with my experience, you know, dealing with the youth, um, you know. So, Kids that go to college have their heads on their shoulders. That, that, that's how I see it, guys. But it could then, be mis- well, That's the way that, society that sees me, society it. I think that's the way me. everybody yeah. sees it. Right? But
0: We analyze it, but look yeah. how, how he described own, yeah. everything was about a job and how they were going to come on time. And see, that's what that's I'm That's the trying. way
1: that capitalism is designed. Right. And, and so the way that you're thinking about it, that's how we're supposed to think. Maybe right? it's because I, I consider
5: yeah. it a, a talent.
1: Right, like if if I'm gonna recruit a writer, well, what
5: talents do you have? Oh, well, have a degree. Right. Well, is that really a talent? It'll give you an edge, but it might not be a, a big talent, you know? Because I I might I might bring him on board and he writes garbage reviews or garbage articles, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, I thought you told me you went to college, you have this BA in English. What's going on?
0: Yeah, but it doesn't. But it doesn't develop a personality. It doesn't develop. Um, hmm. um, hunger for something it it just tells you that you passed the grade and you listen to that professor and he Mm -hmm. maybe didn't even want you to read the book read this chapter and give me your opinion about what this guy said because it was kind of weird and or whatever Mm -hmm. the 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 lesson is
3: define who they are as a person it's like it's in my field you know again i'm in the birth field and stuff you know people can go get a certification to assist families in a weekend that's not going to benefit you. You can't graduate from that and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and start working with families. No, it's experience. You know, it's, a, it's an understanding of that. What are you going to do with what you learned in that weekend workshop and then implement it to how you want to take care of families? You Absolutely. know, because, again, you're, you have to know who you are in these institutions. OK, I'm going to be going to school to be a social worker. What kind of social worker are you going to be? you know what, what kind of everybody's defined that's a good that's a, a good
0: example because people go into social work and then they come out traumatized
3: mm-hmm. oh yes, big cause time cause and that's is. why i mentioned yeah. it because yeah. a lot of people yeah. and then they go into yeah. a teacher oh you know what i'm gonna sit down and just go be a teacher here's, here's a story
0: about a social worker not not naming their names but they're like oh man i had to put in a horrible report about a, a family that couldn't afford to maintain the children according to the state
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: right like what like instead of offering them help or a situation where they can get a job you're going to traumatize that family and rip that child away from but that's been their technique from the get-go that's my whole point yeah that's my whole point even look even this is my even my opinion about just education in general your child spends eight almost close to eight maybe even 10 hours a day at a school yeah away from you yeah
3: this is our first analogy when we like, first became parents. We're so like, dude, these 40 kids are away hours from us of for that. a long like, time. Like, We only
0: get to feed them breakfast, take them to school, pick them up, because they stay after school to get help. Mm-hmm. And then we feed them dinner, they go to sleep. How much time did I spend with
1: them? They're in the institution mm-hmm. longer than they are with us. Yes, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, what was important. The public school important system, to, I grew up in
5: a white neighborhood in Downey, California. Mm. I lost my Spanish I went to a, a program called ESL. I don't know what that means. Did, ESL. ESL. English is a second language yeah. is what they yeah. call it. Yeah. Was that's
2: it that? That's horrible. Yeah. Yes, that's now what it's called. I don't called. even know yeah.
5: my Spanish. I'm not even fluent in Spanish anymore. Wow.
3: And back in the days, too, even if you had, you know, your you know, 10 or 11 and didn't know day. English, they would put you with the classes where, you know, that you were dealing with kids that had autism and, you know, Down syndrome. I, I remember it's growing horrible. up as a
5: kid and all I knew was Spanish. I was my first language sandwich. until I went to that program. They just said, no, can't talk anymore. And my parents, they, they even got convinced, mijo, only speak to me in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, know. oh, yeah. Dad, yeah. Sound familiar? <laughs> sound familiar. My mom's from Buenos Aires, Argentina, and, and they're forcing me to only speak English? Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and no more. White supremacy. They're, they're, Same <laughs> colonizer. Yeah, the, now they're telling me that they're ashamed of me because I don't speak Spanish now. I'm like, oh, wait a minute.
3: That this is that's why I said. No more of that. In a good the way, the though, time right? is it now is, to rise no. up. We got to learn our language again. We got to know our cultura again. Um, you know, this from is myself. why
5: I think you know, LA College Prep Academy is so important, yes. so vital to create that alternative for these youth out here in the jungle that I call Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you what
1: know? grades are you guys um, accepting right now? It's high school, so grades nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, and we'll we'll accept any any kid in those grades who wants to come and. Really learn the truth and learn the facts about how to navigate through this crazy world that we call America. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, Summer Bridge programs. We have uh, three different programs over the summer. So Brenda Perez of Restorative Justice for the Arts. She runs a nonprofit where she protects murals when they're uh, getting painted over by gentrifiers in Northeast LA. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be teaching uh, the students about this uh, theory called eco psychology and how gentrification is literally bad for your psychological well-being and also your physical well-being. And um, we'll Wow! have some iconic legendary murals working side by side with the kids Mm. to paint a uh, 40-foot mural on our campus. Wow, Um, that's a big project. Yeah, and then we have um, Tanya Suzuki who runs a restorative practice piece independent from schools. She works with schools to teach kids and teachers, but in this case, during the summer, to teach kids how to have good relations with themselves, with their families, with their culture. And mm. she'll be doing a, a two-week program on that. And then DJ Fuzzy from Palms Up Academy will be doing a songwriting poetry uh, class for, for the last week of, uh, of summer. Wow! And Azomali will do a one-day workshop uh, Again, talking about the thinking of his music and how he came to all those different uh, topics uh, in, in his content. Mm-hmm. And also Clear Bear from uh, Indigenous uh, Alliance. They will be coming through to talk about the uh, the indigenous histories of, of folks in um, no- Northern and, and Southern Americas. Wow. Um, so a lot a lot going on during the summer. 9th, cool. 10th,
3: 11th, and 12th grade. We yeah. all have those teenagers at home willing to learn something you just shared Four different beautiful workshops that if I were to be a teenager, I would be like, oh, my God, I want my voice to be heard. I want to go to those workshops. So listen up, community. This is a great opportunity for our children to start listening to their passion and start listening to what they want to do for their own selves and their own lives. Beautiful, beautiful school. And for those that don't know, we live in L.A. L.A. is a big community, but they are literally located right by Debs Park. Everybody knows where Debs Park is at, Ernest Debs Park. Is, it's literally in the heart of LA, so six two five Pasadena yeah. Avenue, Los Angeles, California.
5: Kind of three miles from Boyle Heights. 42. Yeah,
3: three miles from Boyle Heights. A mile away from Pasadena, down the little hill from El Sereno. You know, very good like prime location. Well, I'm excited too.
0: I'm excited to meet both of you. You guys seem like um, progressive educators that
3: we're very happy that
0: goodness. are offering a lot of stuff Thank to you. our community that Extra we need animals. and and we need to we need to continue to not. Just take for granted, because these things are not hard to get into your possession and then implement this certain curriculum. I know exactly what uh, anawakalmekat went through, and they still go through, and they yeah. still have to kind of like shift and move and mm-hmm. do their thing so that they could stay standing. But my dream is to have alliances on every front against white supremacy that That's has right. been unfair for uh, all people, even their own people, white mm-hmm. people. It's been unfair to you, too. Mm-hmm. You don't even see it. You know, that's, you know, that's my point is that power comes in in breaking down barriers of judging people from where region they came from or what color of of skin, listen to what they have to say and what information they have to share with you. Mm -hmm. I think that was the power of ancient Mexico was they didn't have that. If you had wisdom and you had something to share that was going to implement something positive or something profound in my life, I'm not going to go, ah, look at that short Slanty guy, he didn't know what he was talking about. I, I would actually listen and and I think that's how we got to levels of profound understanding because we didn't understand education as being something that you use to make a living. But education for our for my meditation, my personal opinion was something that you needed to guide you through life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's not money. Right? That's not that's, that's not, not making really a living. If exactly. if we if Us as educators, as artists, we're to analyze making a living. What are you trying to say? Making a living. Hmm. living. Critically analyze that. Making a living. Why do I have to make a living? I'm alive already. I'm alive already. Being alive is making a living. Your heartbeat Mm -hmm. pumps. You have intelligence. You can engineer things. You can take care of things on your own. That's what I would love to inspire. The autonomy of oneself Mm -hmm. and whatever practices you decided to take on that helped you in your spirit. And if any information I got, because I am a hip hop artist and I do give information through my music, helped you, please go to them and find that, them. If you can find inspiration for your child, at least put them in the summer program, get them introduced with things that I feel are revolutionary in my mind, but revolutionary in a very different way. Mm. You know, where it doesn't have to be combative in your face. I'm Just stay out of my way. Right. Now, if you get in my face, it could mm-hmm. be combative mm-hmm. and, yeah. and something different. That's right. But if you just leave me alone, just I'm leave. Good. That's it. We're good. Right. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's good, the yeah. message.
5: So, so Dr. Gordon, before we let you go, I have a very yes, important question to ask you. Um, what's your message to a 15, 16, 17 year old kid that is an inspiring rapper and that's all he wants to do. Right. But he's going to go to college. Right. 18, 19 drops out, wants to be a rapper right he asks you being an academic yourself like what's your response to that kid if he asks you hey man i want to be a rapper for the rest of my life but i'm like i am accepted to college i do get you know good grades i could go to the community college but i might want to just drop out and do the rap shit like you know because you are in the background that's a great question right so (laughs) what's your message to that kid if he
1: goes up to you like hey man
5: Dr. Gordon, I wanna be a rapper for the rest of my life.
1: I would, I would use the same analogy to, to an athlete, right? So if you have a multi-million dollar contract sitting in front of you, and you can, and you can take that and take that back to your community, then do it. do it. Do it right then and there. Because who knows if and when that contract will ever come back in front of your, in front of your hands again uh, and utilize that. And, and, bring it, and bring it back to the community. Um, Nipsey Hussle, although he never signed a major contract, right, he took those monies from, from the rap game and was really building a beautiful, a little block that he, that he bought, you know, in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, we still live in a white supremacist capitalist society where the dollar really can get you some resources for your community. So if that kid had a multi-million dollar contract in front of him, I'd say take it, run with it. But at the same time, let's keep in contact and let's still continue to read, continue to build so I can mentor you along the way. And at the same time, we're going to make sure that you have the proper tools, particularly the reading and literacy skills, to dissect those contracts to make sure that you don't get took.
5: Okay, so that's a great, great answer, bro. So... Zero. Same question to you, brother, because you're a very influential hip-hop artist. Okay,
0: okay, so, all right, you're going to leave school, you're going to leave all that. Be prepared to be broke. <laughs> be prepared to work harder than everyone else. Be prepared to put your own money, that you're doing, doing something else, right, to do your dream. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, even if you did have the contract in front of you and you didn't know how to read it, a lot of your hard work and life and time spent could be given to somebody going, well, you didn't even recoup my initial investment to you. Mm. If you don't know how to do those economics, then you don't have any permission to be in front of that contract. I know. I've been an independent artist for 25 years. I know how hard it was for me. I had to go build a $2 million company just to do my art. Mm. Just to do
2: my art. It was...
0: So what I'm trying to say is, you young artists, you 16-year-old, that you're going to just drop out and do the rap game, you're going to work harder than you've ever worked ever, ever, ever. Because being a hip-hop artist isn't just in being talented. It's what is the depth of your soul, right? R&B and Rockham were interesting because Rockham went into his soul and found intellectualism and found the deep understandings he had of Egypt. Right. And he just intellectualized it into music Mm -hmm. and became popular and made a living off of it. But that's one in a million. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're gonna be dedicated to art, just dedicate your life to art. But know that you're gonna work you're gonna work harder than you ever worked ever, right? But not going to school is not gonna be any different. Mm -hmm. So that's my point. Mm -hmm. Just work hard (laughs) until you get to where you're going, Mm -hmm. whether it's in education, whether it's in art, whether it's whatever inspire yourself with working hard
1: i would also say it's a it's a practice and a discipline again whether you're going to be going to school or pursuing your art and if you want to get good at it and be successful you, like you said you got you got to put in your hours you got to put in your time long, long you got you got to pay your dues and if you're going to go the music route you go. it's going to be a lot harder than going to college college is easy hmm compared to of course yeah. to compare to doing follow the music the rules right. and read the books college and to just the very test. yeah
0: you, you've been a fan of my music this for, is
5: what i tell
1: kids like hey always have a plan b
5: <laughs> if the rap shit doesn't work for you at least you have a degree
0: yeah well that'll get them a job how do you feel about that dr gordon
1: it's true college college is a backup plan for for a lot of people right for 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 even us i would say to a certain extent right um i was doing music as a kid and saw how hard it was to to make a living off of that. Again, making a living within that capitalist context because they strip away our humanity and and us breathing isn't enough to live. Um,
0: And I say it strips away your
5: identity as well. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well, Armando, you've been a fan of my music for a long time. How many headlining shows have we played? I mean, dude, I just got my first one like a couple days ago. It takes so long. And to have the people stay there, right? How many rooms did I play with nobody there? A lot. Mm -hmm. I played a lot. And it it psychologically messes with you. You feel like you're doubting your art. But that's the part of art that people don't understand. That's what makes you, I got to write better. I got to put more Mm -hmm. time. I got to do. That's why I say you're going to work harder than you ever worked. I had to run a business and do my art. My time was spent. And it had an effect on my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I just do my art, and my partner contributes to our family, and I contribute to my family, and now we're happy. Mm-hmm. But I'm still working very hard, and it's not, it's not something I, I wouldn't discourage. Education is information. If you have information, then you can make proper decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, The power of Malcolm X was that he just read, 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 read. And he didn't even get a degree after. He was just intelligent enough to guide through life, stick up to um newspaper people um um, tv people that were putting them on the spot oh really you Mm -hmm. nigger come sit Mm -hmm. right here and let me intellectually destroy you while malcolm x was just boom and just went whoa they didn't know what to expect Mm -hmm. that's what we need to inspire in the community and it sounds like your program is doing just that by giving people a chance to learn themselves in whatever direction. And you're a very powerful woman. Señora, I'm mean, la, do, la, la doctora, la doctora <laughs> de información. Nice. That's, my, that's my rap name, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, she's I'm, a rapper. And, you know, as me and my partner are very embedded in, in this community, we have Malinale Superfoods, which is on Whittier Boulevard, which is right near East Los Angeles um, mm-hmm. College. Right and, down
3: the street from East College. You yes. know,
0: I'm glad that our, our community is building to what it's becoming and, and hopefully, our, our sharing of your school will inspire people to take their children there. You're super humble and mm-hmm. you're super powerful. <laughs> and us together as a, as a community, as a network, as a family that has no um, judgments over where you came from, I don't care if you're for Filipino or not, I don't care what you know, just be a human in front of me and I'm gonna treat you the same way. Right. That's the true power in our indigeneity and acceptance you know my friend told me uh, daniel told me one thing he's all you don't get conquered if you're welcoming them in (laughs) it's like (laughs) hey come sit down have food or you look dirty let me wash you up and those people don't conquer you you know you had the power and there's a lot of stories that books are not going to have you know they're Not going to have when white supremacy came and came with the narrative that we are the most powerful people and we own everything, even you and your children and your children's children.
2: Hmm.
0: That's what white supremacy is. Yeah. So yeah. we have to navigate that. That's right. And you giving us the tools to do that and our future to do that. I thank you. Thank
4: you. Uh, thank you.
5: So lacpacademy.org. How easy is it to enroll these kids? Just simply call that phone number.
1: Call that phone number, and then we'll set you up with a tour to check out the campus. Uh, we're open pretty much every day, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to, to 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, come to our open mic and check check out how uh, we get down on uh, on Wednesdays, 7 to 9 So the a.m. phone
5: number is 323-257-1499. Give that number a call. Get your kids enrolled. Check out the open mic on Wednesdays. Wednesdays for 7 to 9 we got Dr. Gordon here, the legend himself. We got Zero Velvou, Las Aslan, Jenny's podcast.
0: <laughs> we got the famous Jenny. She's far more famous than all of us put together. No, we Stop. got Jenny in the building. <laughs> well, you know, I want to do my part in, as a musician and as somebody who's a part of a production company. I know that we can gather some artists to be a a community awareness day probably there Mm. where we can invite families a family friendly thing we can do outreach in that way we can share our malinale superfood absolutely we can um um and inspire young parents or individuals who have children in those age groups to go enroll in this school and and try it out and create a network that that is going to change the seven generations white supremacy right white supremacy doesn't have a right to live forever
1: Mm. Mm. yeah
0: and that's what the statements right. that we're making as groups and as individuals that are creating new uh, alternatives for our people. But they don't have the right to live forever, that's right. and their ideologies should be challenged. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do, mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing here with LA Natives. And thank you so much for coming thank on and sharing God, your story. For having us. Absolutely, it. we're family. We're going to continue to build. I know this is just the introduction to what we're doing. Friday was just the beginning of our um, mm-hmm. event. And we're, we're creating new—like we, I said, you don't have the right to rule our lives forever. And our great abuelo, Bauctemok, told us that we would remember the children of the children of the children of the children of the children would remember who they are, take stands, and protect themselves. That's the only way you survive on this planet, is by protecting yourself and trusting your partner. Mm-hmm. And having disagreements, but knowing that that family unit is the future— Important. So thank you for coming on. and thank you. Appreciate you appreciate and bringing you. your children. And, you know, if it was a little know, was noisy, weird. guys, it was because yeah. our kids You're were running around. <laughs> and that's okay. You <laughs> can but do that. But this is what we're about. We're about yeah.
3: community. We're about family, you know. We're about representing the seven generations of familia, that's that right. ometeo of the male and the female balance of that's everything, right. of all creation. You
1: know? Kilohana our, our son, is just a beautiful mixture of both the cultures, his full name. He didn't want to say it, but <laughs> I'm going to say it for him. Kilohana lapu lapu kitsakoa choa oliganga wow and, and Whoa. he uh, he has a a, a a big powerful name that we we uh intentionally gave him to uh to to just be one with both of his communities mm. his, his Filipino indigenous side and and of course his his indigenous side here in the americas oh
3: beautiful, yeah.
1: beautiful family thank
3: you thank you
5: legendary show for everyone that's going to be listening this to uh through Spotify or iTunes, man, I can't wait. A lot of good content on this episode, guys. Again, we got Dr. Gordon. We got Zero Velvoo. We got Jenny in the building. Um, go ahead and say your name one more time.
4: So, Vanessa Ochoa, you can find me at East L.A. College, La Doctora. La
0: Doctora. Y- y- so, so not, Y-Lac, only,
5: Y-Lac, right? not
4: only do Y-Lac, we have a, have we have a high doctoras. school
0: resource, but we have a, a community yes, college please resource. Please, see me as a resource. Is is
4: find me at East L.A. College. Yes. Remember, two true, years free college. Challenges. Two Absolutely. years free college. Spread the word. Wow. Absolutely, I'm gonna roll because
3: I know I have some childbirth education Guys, courses that I have to take. <laughs> this school,
5: this school is so important for the city of Los Angeles. Uh, I can't, I can't thank you enough, Dr. Gordon, for coming for up to the me. event, setting up Appreciate a, a booth. You know. That was uh, an amazing event, I you hope, guys. Hope, Thank
3: you so much everybody Friday that you know, came out. That was so yeah. beautiful to see so much mix, cultural mix. Everybody just had smiles in their faces and everybody was there to have a good time. It was such First a beautiful First live event
1: show Friday. I've been to in Since years COVID, and it yeah. was a great way to come back to a live show. Good.
5: Yeah, yeah. Any, sure a, Anyone in the audience that likes what you hear, visit LACPacademy.org There's a donate button right there. Just, you know, send them a couple bucks. Let's Let's keep the movement alive. Let's get some kids enrolled into the school.
4: And if I can plug East L.A. College, I'm a dean in student services. I oversee the Dream Resource Center for Undocumented Folks, the Rising Scholars Program for those that were formerly incarcerated, the um, LGBTQ Center, the uh, student athletes, uh, the solidarity trainings that we have, and our newly launched Emoji program to support our, our black brothers and sisters. Wow.
2: Absolutely. Wow. You're doing some amazing episode, work. Go ahead. We'll amazing. amazing Thank you. All of Thank you guys.
4: You. Yes.